0: Love Talk Radio Welcome to another edition of Technology Expresso Cafe Radio Dave and Jacqueline bring you up close and personal to the innovators, contributors, and creative minds in and around technology today visit our website portal at www.technologyexpresso.com. There, you will find a full list of our broadcasts from all across the technology spectrum, our social media handles, and related content. So sit back with Dave and Jacqueline as they serve up Technology Expresso, fast, hot, and intense.
1: This is Jacqueline Sanders Blackman here with another episode of Technology Expresso Radio. Today we've got a full feature with a special guest, Barb Conkernord. Hello, Barb.
2: Hey, Jacqueline. I'm happy to be here. How are you?
1: Oh, just awesome. I, you know, I am so jazzed. I am so energized and looking forward to having you back. You've been here um, at Technology Expresso before. So this is a 20 the first for 2017 so I'm so excited. And and let me introduce Barb to our audience. Barb, first of all, you know, I'm so excited because she kind of represents not only women in business as a business owner, but also women in STEM. She has and, and works and operates in the technology and software development and design arena doing things in business analysis. She's been a key component to actually helping mature the discipline of business analysis, being a part of developing the IIBA and the BA Bach uh, guide that we use and is part of our guiding principles as business analysts. And so it's just been a pleasure. And then, you know, the other hat she wears is that she's also a published author. She has at least – Three books, And she's probably going to update me and tell me that she has even more than that, but Seven Steps to Mastering Business Analysis. And she's wrote and published different prep guides for the CBAP exam and the CCBA exam, um, and then also managing business analysis. So, you know, Barb has been, you know, a force to be reckoned with, I, I dare say, in the BA community. Um, and you know, I, I, I look at Barb as she's what we want to be. A lot of us want to be when we grow up. You know, author, business owner, leader in her own right. And I can't tell you how humble she is and how she's always willing to give and share knowledge. So, Barb, I just needed to say that and, and, and just let you know how much we appreciate you.
2: Jacqueline, thank you. What a wonderful introduction. I, I hope I live up to all those things that you said. But yeah, I, I I love what I do, and I think that's probably the the key to any of us being successful is is really loving what we do.
1: Uh, that awesome, and and I'm trying my best to to follow that mantra. Definitely. So why don't you kind of? I gave you know the. The, the quick version, but there's probably highlights and, and milestones from your perspective in your, your career. Uh, so maybe take us back as far as you like and kind of walk us through, you know, all of these, you know, the different things that I mentioned here and the accolades that you've received. Um, why, why don't you talk about it from your point of view?
2: Sure. I'd love to Jacqueline. Um, I feel so fortunate to, I guess, honestly, have been born at the right time from a technology perspective. Uh, when I think about how fast technology has evolved and where I started, um, it's it's just been a wonderful time period to be in technology. And I think also for women um, in terms of, again, uh, being able to, work in organizations because technology was so new when i got started and i started um, actually working in software development at general motors uh, in detroit um, nobody knew how or not many people really knew how to write software so it didn't matter if you were a woman or a man or you were purple or green or black or blue they wanted people who wanted to work with technology and were who will uh, were willing to learn and so I got a great opportunity, um, as an intern there when I was in college and um General Motors gave me opportunities to go through some training and to learn things hands on. Um, and just give me a really good foundational knowledge, um, that I've continued to use throughout my career. Um, and, and it was fun. I mean, I guess as I said earlier, the key to I feel like the key to my success and my personal happiness has been that I love what I do and I thought that technology was really cool. When I was in high school, I did some, uh, data entry, key punch kinds of things as a, as an odd job. And I just thought it was always fun. It was kind of like a toy. And when somebody suggested to me in college that I might actually be able to get a job and play with those toys that I enjoyed so much, um, I was like, wow, that'd be great. You know, somebody would pay me to, to play with computers. Um, and, and I still think technology is fascinating. Um, and really what my career, from my career perspective, I started in that, that technology, and, and I really think there's a lot of value in doing that, getting some, some of those hard skills and getting some real technical background um, I'm not as technical now. Things have changed much more rapidly, and I moved into, as you mentioned, business analysis because what I really loved about technology is not just the fact that it can do all these neat things, but that it can support business, and it can help businesses be more effective, efficient, you know, provide higher quality products. And so I've really worked on marrying business needs to that technology um, which is, again, just the thing that I've really enjoyed uh, throughout my career.
1: Absolutely. That that is, you know, and and I I go back to, like you said, is enjoying what you do, and it comes uh, across. And, well, let's talk about you've actually done, worn both the corporate hat and you've also worn the hat as far as owning your own business. So from that unique perspective, maybe you can talk to, you know, how those two have their similarities, how you maybe made that crossover, what made you make that crossover, and, you know, just the, the experience about wearing both hats and how they're similar or different.
2: Yeah, that that's a great question, and, and I still um, – think about that a lot because I was really fortunate um, early in my career. As I mentioned, General Motors, it was a huge company that had a lot of infrastructure and structure and processes and policies, and um, so I I got an opportunity to kind of see how a large organization operates, and it was kind of interesting because as I moved through my career, um, I went to work for uh, a large mortgage company. And that was where I got an opportunity to see how financial services companies worked. It was a smaller company than General Motors, but still, you know, a pretty good-sized company. Um, And actually, when I tracked my career, I went from these large companies to smaller, each sort of um, career jump was to a smaller organization. And what I started to find is that in a smaller organization, although they did not have as much structure and organization, that I was more able to impact change. And I found out that I enjoyed that. And so eventually, um, I got to the point where I was at a a relatively small um, software company. And I thought, shoot, I could do this myself. Um, And I I think that the confidence, and and I really never started out my career um, wanting to start my own business. I I really thought that working in a corporation and moving up through the the ranks was going to be my path, but as I tried some different companies and saw some different situations and, as I said, kind of moved to smaller and smaller places and realized, wow, if you're in a smaller company, you can have more impact, it was kind of natural when I look at it now to say, wow, you know. I could do this, um, and and I did it with some other people. Um, so that helped me make the leap um, from a corporate environment to my own business. Uh, but I, but I do think, and I I often tell people in small companies this that there's a lot of value in having put some years in at a large company because you really see um, that that structure, the good the good policies. Um, larger companies have to comply with lots more regulations about how they treat people like they're human resources. So you learn a lot about how to hire and how to manage and develop people. Um, you learn a lot about policies and doing things in uh, just a more sort of rigorous way. In a small business, you don't have those things, but it's really good if you have that knowledge and experience and then you can figure out, hey, which policies do we need would be worthwhile for our size company and which ones do we not need. Um, so, so I do see value in having worked in several different size companies.
1: Absolutely. Um, so oh, I don't even need to add to what you're saying. I, you know, just I'm here listening and absorbing. Um, so let me let me just step us over to the next question, because I'm kind of trying to let people kind of see walking in your footsteps, you know, and so I may be taking you back a ways, but my next question is, like, as far as your motivation, when you thought to yourself, okay, I'm going to go ahead and start this business with this group of people, you know, there's a lot of different reasons why, because I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs, why they start businesses, but maybe from your perspective, because sometimes where you start out and then now looking back, because, you know, is it just a matter of, was it to make a lot of money? Was it to be famous? Was it to be you know change in industry? like what were some of the things that like really was the motivation that helped you with making that decision that okay, it's time to go ahead and step out
2: i'm I'm really glad you asked that question, Jacqueline, because as you know I was preparing for our our conversation today and thinking this through, one of the things that I would really like to say to people um, who are thinking about going out on their own or starting their own company is if you're doing it to make a lot of money, you're probably going to fail. The the goal and the, the mission of an organization should not be simply to make money. Um, and I truly believe that the only reason that you should start a company is that you passionately want to do something that you're for some reason not able to do in another organization. And, and in my case, that was, I, I mentioned I was working for a small software company. I was actually in the training department teaching people how to use the software. And um, I, th- I thought the software was fabulous. It, it was leading edge. It did really neat things. But the way that our company uh, was managing it and the way that they were setting up the training, it didn't facilitate our customers to really get the best use out of it. And there were some unethical business practices, which I really always struggled with in in, uh, a couple companies that I worked with. And and I just looked at it and I thought, geez, um, I could help companies use this software so much better if I did it my way. Um, than the way that we're doing it. And, and as I mentioned, there were some other people, um, and we, we all kind of felt that same way. It's like we really wanted to help companies and individuals learn how to use this new technology in a way that would benefit them. And we felt like we were being held back uh, from doing that in the organization we were at. and And that's what really prompted us to move out. It wasn't a desire to make a lot of money it wasn't a desire to be famous it wasn't a desire you know to to really in our case not even to really invent something new but to just do something better than it was being done and you know we we used to have a joke uh, one of my partners and I at the beginning we joked about well we're going to see if you can run a company and act and behave ethically and see if you can really make money at it and i'm i'm very happy to say that you can um... and as a matter of fact some of the people i think who are most uh... successful in the world are extremely ethical honest people but if you look at them you know you think about a bill gates or you know and he didn't start the company his microsoft company, just make a lot of money he liked playing with computers and he liked developing software um, when you look at people that are successful, it's not that they started out. That Mark Zuckerberg with Facebook. I mean, he wanted to help people connect in a social way. Um, so, you know, I think the making money piece of it comes if you have a passion and you do something and then you do it well.
1: Absolutely, and that, that resonates. So, well, it's it's like having a mission. When you have a mission and you feel like you're right. on a mission because there's going to be days where you think your, your income should be at one level and it's not maybe coming as fast as you are. And that's when people get frustrated and then, you know, um, drop out. Uh, of, you know, pursuing their entrepreneurial, you know, endeavors. Right. Whereas when you're on a mission, you're not going to give up that easily because you, you really believe it, Clearly, you know, almost to your soul, to the, you know, within your right. heart. You really believe right. that this is something that was meant to be, that you were meant to do, and, and it's needed. So Yeah. I, but, I, I, and,
2: but, you know, Jacqueline, then, then we always have to balance that, though, with, You know, you might be really passionate about some new widget that you invented, but if nobody wants to buy it, you're not going to be successful either. So you have to sort of um, balance your passion and what you can offer with what the marketplace is really interested in buying. Because, you know, I I say you don't go out wanting to make a lot of money, but you want to make enough money to be able to have a successful company so you've got to be realistic in looking at your passion because because I have talked to some uh, people that are starting small companies or thinking about it they're really excited about something they pitch their idea to me and I think "Mm, I don't know that there's really a market for that so you you know you need to listen and, and, and I would say that's why it's good to talk to other people Um, And get a lot of perspectives Because sometimes our passion for what we love doing Will blind us to the reality That there may or may not be a market for it So it it is a balancing act um, To take that step
1: Absolutely And you know So that kind of is a a great lead Into a couple of different things Because you're right You know when you might feel passionate about something But with the caveat That you're solving some type of problem You know there's, there's some type of need out there, right. And this is something that you and I talked about. Is that kind of you know speaks to the business analyst in us. You know that that's what we do for corporations when they're trying to prioritize projects and or the features and functions within you know a, a project. It's always asking that question you know what's the the value especially in, and that's why I love what we're seeing come about with like agile where the conversation is much more about value management but this right. is a language that in corporate and, and it goes back to something you said is when you work in an organization you have to see how they prioritize and make some hard decisions because with a smaller company um, one bad decision can make or break. You, you may not have that, that cushion behind you right.
0: if, you, if right. you're not
1: prudent. So let's talk – I want you to talk from your perspective a little bit about that conversation where how business analysis it's, and, and woven throughout the small business and entrepreneurs' uh, day-to-day decision-making.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think that a small business owner or any business owner or business leader is doing business analysis all the time. Um, if you are familiar, you mentioned the IIBA, the International Institute of Business Analysis, which I am uh, right now actually an um, international board um, of directors, the vice chair of the board, and, and have been very involved with helping to write the body of knowledge, the kind of the standards for this. And if you look through our body of knowledge and our, our kind of description of what is business analysis work, Um, As a business owner or a business leader, you are doing those things all the time, you know, things like what is the need, you know, what is the problem that we're having, and really making sure that you analyze and understand the root cause of the problem versus maybe a symptom. Uh, When you look at what we call current state analysis, um, looking at how we do things today, You have to look at how things are being done today before you can consider how you might improve them in the future. And so we're always doing that uh, current state, future state analysis. Um, We're always, as a business owner, doing business cases and cost-benefit analysis, which is, you know, should I spend the money on a new phone system? What am I going to get for that? What's that going to buy me? and, And can I afford it? Um, Every decision that we make, you know, can we afford to hire another employee and what what benefit are we going to get from that? We're constantly analyzing and looking at what is the business need? What is the value? How will we get there? You know, how much will it cost us to install a new phone system? And how much time will we lose while it's down? And will we lose customers? Um, so, So I truly believe that the analysis techniques that we talk about in large organizations who have formal business analysts are the same analysis skills that we use all the way down to a one person company where we're making decisions every day and and in some to some extent when you're a small company you're doing even more business analysis because every single hour you got to think about where's the best use of my time right now I don't have a day to waste I've got to make sure I'm doing the the highest value activities that I can do
1: Absolutely,
2: and, and and talking about that
1: topic in and of itself. When you're a small business owner, you know when when you started out and created your business, you know you clearly had a passion around training people and creating curriculum and, and writing books. But there was there's always has to be the balance with the business side of it. How any advice you have for small Um, business owners, especially when they're early on maybe solopreneurs, that how did you even, you know, what were some of the rules maybe even that you set up for yourself so that you didn't find yourself doing the stuff that you enjoy doing versus the stuff that needed to keep the the lights on and and strategic decisions for the business?
2: That's Yeah, that's that's a great question, Jacqueline, too, and that's another balancing act. Um, I think that you – time management is extremely important. Um, you you need to have a lot of discipline, and especially with all the distractions that we have now. I mean, I noticed myself yesterday, uh, I spent a, a good portion of my day um, reading things on the internet, doing social media, which I do a lot of social media marketing, but I, it's so easy to get distracted and, and read an article that's interesting and then click on another link and read another article. And I think you, you constantly have to bring yourself back out of that and say, what am I supposed to be working on right now? And you, that means that you have to have a plan. Um, you have to have some short-term things that you're doing, some mid-term things, and some long-term things, and you have to figure out where to spend your time doing those. Um, I'm a big planner. I, I really believe strongly in, um, you know, laying out as structured a, a structure to plan as you can and trying to stick to that, knowing that you'll always have to adjust, uh, but but being able to balance between, yeah, what I what I enjoy doing versus what I think is going to make money. Um, and and making sure that you know you can make payroll when you've got a staff of people working for you and and making sure that you stay focused on those day-to-day things while at the same time not getting so distracted with your day-to-day that you can't look long term and know where are we trying to get to and that goes back to what you said was having a mission or having a vision um you know it's it's i think it's Uh, a great idea if you have a vision or a mission that you're going to start a company and it's going to become really large and you want to impact a lot of people. And if that's your goal or your vision, then you put things in place early on to get yourself set up to do that while at the same time selling day to day to make sure that you, you know, can keep the lights on while you're getting there. So I think that, you know, those those tensions between short term long term what do i like to do versus what do i have to do um really important to to just constantly check yourself um i believe strongly in keeping very um strict uh time tracking uh tools and it doesn't have to be fancy it doesn't have to like take a lot of time but i like to keep track of where i'm spending my time to make sure that i'm putting my time in the things that are appropriate for example my current job which I do now work as an employee for a small business, I try to schedule my time such that I'm spending about 30% of my time doing marketing um, I do about 30% of my time doing writing, and then I spend about 30% of my time managing and working on the business. Um, so that's the, the balance that I try to achieve. And then with, with each of those kind of large blocks, I'm looking at short-term versus long-term projects that I'm working on, goals that I'm trying to meet. Um, so so it, it does take a bit of um, – multitasking I guess Uh, even though we know we can't multitask but you have to know all the things that you want to do and then you have to be disciplined to be able to spend time on one at a time and get those things done
1: absolutely you know it it, it still in my mind uh, brings up some of the business analysis you know techniques because you got to have the big picture you got to know kind of where we're going then you've got to like you said um, almost in sprints, <laughs> you know, uh, right. know short-term, right. long-term what we're we're trying to accomplish. So have those sprint goals, but you can still, you know, be able to piece it all back together and see how it's all working toward that. Yeah, absolutely. And
2: and I think it is interesting for the, the people that have started to learn about the agile uh, approaches to software development. I think small business owners have been doing agile for years and years and years, and, years and we didn't call it that. Um, but you had to deliver quick value, and you had to be able to adjust frequently. Um, you know, when, when you first start a company, you, the first customer you get, you'll do anything that they ask you to do, you know. And then you get a second customer, and then suddenly you're like, okay, now I've got a balance between these two, and then you get a third. And so then you can then you start to have to make a lot of decisions about what can we do, what's going to be the best use of our time, um, and and so it's a constant adjustment of of where are we spending our time and what are we going to do um, and and a lot of decision making.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, and you know, and that in and of itself, I I can only imagine, you know, because I, I'm in my infancy as, as we develop technology espresso but you have longevity. You know, you were able to do this, and we're talking about months and years after years, you know. So that's also something that I, I really wanted you to touch upon is, you know, because I know a lot of people that are even younger than Technology Express, so, um, you know, either kicking off or getting to make that leap or maybe, you know, last year was their their first year. And, you know, they're exhausted because in some cases people don't realize all the decisions that are being made for you in corporate America so that you can just sit and focus at your job to you right. whatever is on your stack. Um, now right. when you start a business, you're the go-to person. Everybody, even whatever you can delegate, it still comes back or reflects on you or your, the brand. And so what are what is some of the advice maybe you have from when you look over the span of time that you operated your, your business um, what were some of the things that so did you even balance yourself personally from not getting right. too overwhelmed?
2: Right, we all we all hear the phrase work life balance, and I was <laughs> talking to someone yesterday. She said, "Yeah, my company talks about it, but they don't really mean it." You know, <laughs> and and I I do think it it is one of the challenges um, that an individual who's starting their own company does have to really think through is, you know. How much time um, and emotional energy am I able to put into this? And and one of the things I'll tell you, and I don't say this to discourage people, but just to be realistic, it doesn't ever get easier. Um, there are times where, you know, maybe you're having a good couple weeks and you feel like, wow, things are great. but. When your company is getting started, you know you're feeling a lot of pressure to get it started. When you start hiring people, you have another pressure. The company grows, you have other pressure. And I remember with the first company that I started, I had this fantasy that after a couple of years, once we got going, that I would be able to relax. And and I don't think that ever happens. I don't I don't think you ever really relax. So what my suggestion is is that when you start you've got to set yourself a pace that is sustainable. And this is another agile concept that now has got a name, but we always, I think, did this. You know, you can't work, I mean, maybe some people can, but I can't work 80 hours a week. Um, And if you start out that way and set your expectations that way, it's really hard to back off of it. Whereas, Whereas if you start with a reasonable expectation for yourself and a pace that you think you can maintain over the long haul, then you probably are going to be able to survive it. But I do do see a lot of people who start companies and they just kill themselves. And after a few years, they're just so burned out they can't go on. Um, And and if you want long-term, you know, stability, that's not the the answer. Um, But, you know, like I say, what happens over time is the decisions get different and the challenges are different, especially as you're growing um, but it's not easier. It's it's still hard work, um, and you just have to sort of set that pace in a way that you're going to be able to maintain that over the long haul.
1: Absolutely, and and I'm glad that you're you're you're, you're saying this for some people. And like you said, it's not in any way to discourage them, but it's also for them again to to prepare themselves and prepare. You know, it's like you said, even the planning that they're and decisions they're making now, is it sustainable? That, that That's funny. That's something that I've been talking about even in Agile. Uh, when you have teams and you're going at these two-week sprints, you might have some great sprints, and then all of a sudden you've burned out a, a team. This is something right. that you've got to be aware of for yourself and knowing what that, that pace is and leveraging what you can, I just had a, another guest on the show that we talked about using different technology and tools so the business can keep running so you can go get some sleep at night. <laughs> um, you know, that, that's your <laughs> right. number one goal is automation. Find out how and you know and what ways you can automate and that's why we always talk about if you're starting a business, you can't help in this day and age, but not kind of understand how technology works and can, you know, augment that that work for you. So
2: Absolutely. And we're so fortunate now that because there are so many technologies available and many of them are free at least initially to try out or to to play with and or uh, you know, you can outsource through technology at very low cost a lot of things um that And and, and this is another topic, Jacqueline, we're talking about, you know, we could have a lot of um, conversations about this. One of the topics is kind of that decision about what do you do yourself versus what do you delegate or outsource. Um, You know, in my view of the world, you have to outsource everything that you can that isn't your core competency because you've got to save your precious time for whatever it is that is unique that you bring to the organization. So I, I, it's easy to use the example of the accounting or bookkeeping. Um, you know, if you're not an accounting firm and, and your focus is something else, you don't want to spend a lot of time doing accounting and bookkeeping. So those are the kind of functions that now there's, there's a lot of technology and there are also um, people, independent people and services that you can use. And you want to try to figure out, how can I get that done in the most cost-effective way, but also not allow it to prevent me from doing what my core job is? Um, and, and, and you're right. There's, you, you know, the technology is just amazingly important and, and easy – I, I say easy because I love technology. Maybe not as easy for people that aren't comfortable, but you do need to get comfortable with the fact that there's a lot of there's a lot of opportunities out there, and you just have to go looking for what kind of tools you need.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. You, you,
2: the other, my next question, what I, I wanted
1: to ask you um, is, you know, which you know, you've had several, you know, different. Successes in a lot of different areas, but talk us through. You know, as a when you own the the business, what were some of? Do, can you remember a particular or a couple of highs where you know? It's so funny. Sometimes we have um, something that that. that Breaks through with technology expresso, and I have to go over in the corner and do my little happy dance. It's just like <laughs> it's just my own little, you know, two minute celebration, and then it's back yes. to work. But I mean, can yes. you remember, you know, some of your your big euphoric moments throughout your business life?
2: I, I would say um, for us, and, and again, both of the businesses that I built were training and or consulting uh, businesses, and we were really targeting. Um, corporations, you know, that needed um training or consulting help. And right. and for us it was really when we would get a big account. Um if we got a customer that, you know, had a well-known name and I don't want to, you know, use a lot of company names, but you know, if we got a large logistics company that everybody in the world knows or we got a large pharmaceutical company that, you know, we all knew, um, those, those were the days that, that you did the happy dance. I mean, to, to think that, hey, there's this huge maybe Fortune 100 company that wants to use our services was really um, validation that we were doing something right. And also, obviously, a huge financial windfall because a lot of times, you know, what we found is when we would get into a large company, and maybe we initially only sold them one class, but we knew that if we went in and did a good job, there was going to be a lot more business there. And so getting in, getting that first foot in the door into a large company was a huge uh, boon for us. Um, So so I would say those were the kind of happy dance things. Of course, you mentioned me um, writing books. When my first book was published, um, that was a really special day for me. And my team, um, which was so sweet, um, without my knowing it, contacted the publisher and arranged to have the book actually published on my birthday. Um, so that was really special for me and uh, was something that I had always wanted to do. I had always wanted to write a book. I'm, I'm a big reader and I, and I love books. And again, one of those things that when I was younger, it was sort of a pipe dream, didn't know that it would ever really happen. And even after we published it, didn't know whether anybody was going to want to read it or not or see any value. Um, and the fact that my seven steps book has done extremely well and i have people contact me frequently telling me that it has helped them understand the business analysis um profession it, it just it's so special I, I you know i i feel like that's been worth all the work and all the years absolutely
1: and and, and it definitely i mean if you just think about probably all of the ba's Careers that you have touched and influenced, and you know it—it's it, probably just amazing. I, I can't even imagine, but it, it just—it just tells you that yes, one person can make a difference. You know, especially when you're passionate about something. Like I said, you're always so open and forthcoming with trying to share what your insight and your knowledge, and it shows. It, it really does, because I'm one of those people that you've, you've definitely touched and, and changed the course, you know, and, and you probably don't even remember. I think it was, I was trying to think back, and I think it was a SPIN meeting, the um, Software Process Improvement Network meeting at a courtyard over there um, uh, one evening I, I believe that was and you stood up and and you uh you were looking for maybe some additional instructors and now uh, i look yes. at where i am
0: <laughs> so <laughs> you know
1: just you know i wasn't even looking for the opportunity but as you describe it i was like wait i can do that i like to do that yeah. and yeah
2: <laughs> that's great that's a great memory Jacqueline
1: absolutely and the, and the rest is history now you're here on my podcast, so <laughs>
2: <This is awesome.
1: laughs>
0: it's but, great. But why
1: don't we why don't we take a minute for you to kind of even run down for everyone with some, the the books that you've written and also you know contributed to and how they can get a get a hold of copies of those
2: sure um the the seven steps book is um still still um a very popular book for people to learn about business analysis, and I mentioned my company. I think I mentioned my company. Uh, I work for RMC Learning Solutions, and we uh, sell the book on our website, so it's rmcls.com. Um And in addition to that, I did contribute to a book called Managing Business Analysts that the IIBA um, published a few years ago. And then since then, I have written um, a couple books on uh, helping people uh, pass uh, the certification exams for business analysis. So uh, the first one was the um, IIBA certification programs, the CBAP and the CCBA, And most recently, just last uh, fall, we published um, another certification prep book for another business analysis certification that PMI, the Project Management Institute, is now offering. Um, PMI, and and it's been been really interesting to me to have um, now two professional associations in the United States, especially um, focused on business analysis. It really tells you that a lot of people see the future of business analysis as being very strong. And um, a lot of people want to get into the field because there are a lot of open jobs. And so certification is one route for people to be able to show that they can do that type of work. Um, so that's, that's been really fun uh, for me. And one of the things that we do at RMC Learning Solutions is we build what we call exam prep systems. So um, there's a a study guide. Uh, We have software that simulates taking the exam, which has like 700 practice questions. Uh, We have some flashcards. We call them hot topics. Um, We have audio tools. So we try, we have training, obviously, uh, to do that. So we try to offer people... um, whatever tools are going to be the best for them. One of the things that I've spent a lot of time studying and learning about is that every individual human being learns differently. So from a training perspective and a development perspective, we each have to figure out how we best learn and, find the tools that meet that need. So one of the things I really like about RMC is that we offer training and learning tools in a lot of different formats. You know, we have traditional instructor-led classroom training, we have virtual training, we have e-learning, we have books, we have audio books. We, we have a lot of different tools um, so that whatever is going to be best for an individual is is the best way to learn. We can hopefully provide some support for that. So. That's been really fun for me, um, to see all the different ways that people learn and to be able to provide um, some of those, you know, tools in, in the different formats. Um, I tend to love to read books, as I mentioned, but it's it kind of surprised me when I first started talking to people and they would look at, you know, a study guide, which is a pretty big, substantial book, and say, oh, my God, I could never read that. I don't like to read Um, So, okay, well, what do you like to do or how do you learn? Maybe it's by listening through audio books or maybe it's by actually doing something in an online format. Um, So trying to figure out how to meet all different people's needs um, is is an interesting challenge that I enjoy. Absolutely. absolutely. You know, and and it makes me chuckle because it makes me think about
1: a student I recently had in class that was talking about um, that uh, they had to learn their learning style Because they were actually diagnosed as an adult With a um, attention deficit disorder And um, he found a book on the topic uh, The author actually had written a book on the topic But it was funny the the minute he found the book He said he needed to find the audio book Because he's not good at His attention span won't let him sit and read a book really? And it was funny Yeah he, uh, he reached out to the author and, and, and thanked him and, and said that the book was really good. And the author uh, mentioned that, yes, he's like, he wasn't thinking when he wrote a book about ADD and adults. <laughs> and yeah. it took him about a year or two to actually come out with the audio, audio book. And it sold like 10 times faster yeah. um, than the, yeah. the written book. So, <laughs> that's great. The irony, great. right? <laughs> but, well, and you um, know,
2: that's, that's a, a great example of what we're talking about in terms of being in tune with the market, you know, that you have a passion and a product that you want to put out, but if the market can't consume it in the way you deliver it, you've got to adjust. Yes. You know? yes. Yeah.
1: You know, and that, that's one of our, uh, another one of our agile pearls. It's like you, you're trying to drive towards the goal but how you do that, that's where you need to be flexible. <laughs> so right. You know, it's, it's right. right there. Like you said, we've been kind of practicing it when you become a, a small business, uh, whether you use all the labels and the formal names. But, it, you know, it would be really interesting if people would pick up, you know, a book on Agile and they'd really see kind of what they've done and see – you know some of the other practices to augment it, uh, even you know you know to help them with their that approach about being flexible and agile and when you are a small business because sometimes right. that's the big right. advantage of being small is being it more is. flexible than a bigger company. It is. It's a huge advantage. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and that's like yeah. my segue actually to my. My next question, which is you know when you were a small business, but it's very easy to get intimidated you know when you're competing against in, in your case you know larger organizations that in that learning space um, in, in that training space. how was it when you were in your business not to get overwhelmed or too intimidated or um, you know just break through to differentiate yourself when you're very small? and you first establishing your your footprint. What what are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, I you know, the one thing that we haven't talked about um Jacqueline and again another uh topic probably as we're going forward but is is really the selling aspect of what you do. Um you know, I, I don't want to lump marketing and sales together, but but generally um you know, they do go hand in hand, but you you do have to have a differentiator as you mentioned. Um when you have competitors that are offering a similar product or a similar service, there's got to be something that you can offer to your potential customers that makes you more desirable than your competitors, and it, that is a hard one when you're first getting started. Um, in but but I think that a good salesperson um, will take that and spin it to make it a positive and a good salesperson can can find a positive in any situation and for us uh, again going in and trying to sell um, training to lar- very large companies against very large competitors you know we use the size of our company as a differentiator to say hey we're very small and if we get your business, you're going to be our most important customer. And we will bend over backwards to make sure that you're happy and do what you want. And also, as you mentioned, we can be very agile because we are small. Um, one of the advantages that we had over some other training company was companies was that we did not print um, you know hundreds of copies of our materials and keep them in a warehouse. We printed on demand, which meant that if a customer wanted something different in their next class, that was pretty easy for us to do, Uh, whereas our competitors kind of had this set book, and they had, you know, a 1,000 of them in the warehouse, and they're going to ship you whatever it is that they've got. So we were able to use that as a differentiator. Now, I will tell you that, you know, there are plenty of clients that we tried to sell into who didn't see that as an advantage for them. They said, no. You know we want a bigger company, we want to know there's more resources. we want to know that they've got those warehouses full of books and and so we didn't always get the business um, but that was that was sort of the one of the pitches that we were able to go in with um, and and in addition, uh, you know another more important differentiator is just that we were very good at what we did. Um, we prided ourselves on Being excellent, um, always providing excellent customer service, providing high-quality content, and, and staying close to our customers in case that they weren't totally happy. We were always focused on what is it that we could have done better. Um, I think when you're small, you really have to do that in, in a bigger way than a big company does. A big company can mess up once in a while and, and get away with it. Small companies cannot. You you just have to be extremely disciplined at doing what you do and doing it as well as it can be done. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you know, again, just to my
1: to the audience letting you know that we're talking with Barb Conkrenord, Um, and so excited because again she's sharing with us she's worn many hats and been very successful as an author as owning more than one business for a a relatively long period of time and as well as really breaking into the technology industry and helping shape a very important piece of software development which is the business analysis component And, and just as you commented about how now with the PMI organization even, you know, recognizing how important that role is. It's really interesting to see how that BA role has evolved and and how you played a, a part in that. So like you said, you know, looking back, I, I always tell people, when I go back early in my career, we weren't called business analysis. Uh, we literally saw that become, you know, come to fruition. You know, and really starting to mature, and we've had—it's been a roller coaster. We've had some ups and downs, but I think 2017 is—it's really looking very interesting, and that there's going to be a lot more talk and uh, attention on that role. And, and and you've been there every step of the way, and that's that's yeah. one of the things about yeah. IT and having a business in it you you've had to keep the you know trying to keep the wheels on the rails as you know it's going up and down so that even has been challenging any any what's been your your comments or observations and and that experience
2: it has been a real challenge um you know when and i i sort of date myself but um it's amazing as i said earlier how fast technology has changed when i started at general motors you know the only real option at corporations was mainframe computers and when i was doing my first internship we were still um putting all of our programs on punch cards i mean that that sounds like a thousand years ago now but um the, the technology just, you know, really you could almost look year by year, things were rapidly changing, and it it really requires that you stay on top of things. Um, you have to be aware of what's going on um, in the technology world. You have to be aware of, of how people are using it while not getting so, in, in our case, not getting so sucked into a particular technology that you were stuck because what we've seen over the years in technology is some technologies have failed and they've failed miserably, and if you get too embedded in a particular technology, um, you know you can fail along with it. So, and and that's one of the reasons that I um have been grateful for um, sort of helping to figure out this business analysis field. And, and one of the things that I'm still, you know, working on preaching to people who are in technology is that the technology over time will change. What's important is that we figure out how to solve business problems with it. And, you know, so understanding now that when I maybe build a system for an organization, um, you know, whatever language that we write it in today, two years from now that language may be gone and we may have to rewrite it. But if we understand what the core business problem was that we were solving, we'll still need to have a similar solution and, and understanding how to do that. So that it's another, it's been another balancing act um, in terms of staying aware of technology, being aware of what's out there, but not getting too stuck in a particular technology and, and you know, it was it was interesting one of the the first company that I had um, we were in existence during the um nineteen ninety nine um, turnover to two thousand and as you may remember and some of your audience may remember um there was a lot of fear in the technology world that computer systems were not going to make the change over to nineteen ninety nine to two thousand in a very elegant way um mm-hmm. And, you know, it that was a really tough time for us because companies were so concerned and so um, distracted with having to fix all of their systems so they could handle the year change that they couldn't really think about doing new things, you know, or learning new things. And so from a training perspective, we saw the training business really take a dive. Um, so, and, and you mentioned earlier, you know, one of the things as you have your own organization, and the smaller the organization is, the bigger risk you're at. Can you afford to have a bad year? You know, and what happens and how long does it take you to recover from that? Um, We saw this again in uh, 2007-2008 when the economy um, really went down. Training is one of the businesses that tends to go down quickly and even in anticipation of of an economic downturn. And a lot of training companies went out of business. I mean, they just could not sustain themselves. And so, you know, that's another sort of piece of advice for people. Sometimes when you're running your company, things are going really well, and you're really tempted to spend more money and buy a bigger building and hire more employees and, you know, kind of continue the growth. But you do have to always have in the back of your mind that there are natural business cycles. And you're going through a boom cycle right now, but there may be a bust cycle there somewhere. And thinking about that and, and being a little bit prepared and being a little bit careful with, you know, how much you grow and how fast you grow will sometimes get you through those bad times uh, and allow you to survive when some of your competitors will not.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: And, and that's that's why
1: I wanted to have you on the show because you can speak to that the you know the ups and downs and um you know following a market, so um I know there's a lot of entrepreneurs in a lot of different markets but and I'm sure that they have their volatility, but it's just built into technology you know we mm-hmm. when we look at how many times we change our telephones and the new features yep. come out and 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 so imagine that in our world of software development it's 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 mind blowing but is is also i think w- the exciting part to a lot of us so <laughs> um you know that that all ties yeah, in yeah it
2: you know it, you're right it's 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 sort of you know depressing when you think about you could build something and in a few years it's obsolete on the other hand, there's the opportunity that somebody you know you could build something even better um but it, it is a very fast pace of change um probably faster than most other professions and industries you know over i would say the last 30 40 years now what's interesting to me now is how technology is disrupting every other technolo- every other profession mm-hmm. and every other business so <laughs> we've taken our chaos and our craziness and shared it with the rest <laughs> of the world Um, And it sometimes surprises me when people in other professions are so shocked, you know, that things are changing so fast or that – Technology is disrupting their work, and I'm thinking, well, you, this is what some of us have been dealing with our whole career. Um, <laughs> but, it, you know, it's, exactly. there's no evidence that that's going to stop. It's, it's just going to keep on moving. So, you, you know, get on the train because otherwise you're going to get left.
1: <laughs> exactly. But, you know, because it's, it's funny, I think back, talking about early in, in your career, I think back, my first, one of my first positions, I worked with a, a hospital in the hospital information systems. And the IT room was down in the basement next to the morgue. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I was like, now we're vindicated because we're upstairs in the boardroom and That's sitting right. side by side <laughs> making strategies with, the, you know, everyone else. So it's like, yeah, you can't put us in the closet anymore. You know, right. IT, we're 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 up front and center now, so we're vindicated. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah I know.
1: Geeks rule now, right? Right, exactly.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah.
1: You know, I, I'm so. You know, we we've already filled up our 60 minutes, and you know, it, it's exciting. And and I knew that this was going to be just a great dialogue and conversation. Um, you know, I I talked about how you and I sometimes get on the phone, and um, I I think I'm so happy for my listeners that they get to kind of eavesdrop on some of the great conversations and nuggets of wisdom that you've shared with me. Now sharing it with our audience. And I want to say to our audience that we also have extended an invitation to Barb to come to one of our events in 2017 with the Pink Tech uh, Women Workshops and and Luncheons. So please stay tuned. Um, We we look forward to setting a date. (laughs) We're working on that part of it. But I think it would be a treat if everyone got to meet Barb in person and just, you know, really just see – what a wonderful person and and that she is, and you'll see why she's been so successful. And like you said, Barb, we definitely have some other topics to touch upon. You know, I, I had queued up. I, I didn't even get to talk about that. You were honored by the Women in Technology. You know, one of the the highest honors. Um, you know, for your contributions, you'll have to refresh my memory. What what year? Did, did, what year
2: was that? I think it was 2010, Jacqueline. There Thank we go. you.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So you know, that was a great um, honor. Yeah, it is. That that is you know, you know, I like I said. There's a lot of people when they grow up, <laughs> they would love to walk in in your shoes and 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 follow in your footsteps. For what you've accomplished and and so I, I definitely think that when we pick up again and have another opportunity to have your time we' love to talk about the women in technology and and where that is and where that's going so we definitely have more to talk about um, and just but I just have to thank you again for spending the time with us today and always being there for me whenever I reached out to you just thank you for being Barbara.
2: Oh, Jacqueline, thank you. I love talking with you. So, I, I, anytime, it's this is fun.
1: Absolutely. Well, that is going to conclude our episode for today. Stay tuned. Stay touch. Thank you, everyone, for supporting Technology Espresso. Remember to always listen, learn, leverage, and launch. Good day, everyone.
3: Hi, this is Javon Grant. A Technology Espresso wants to congratulate editor Lindsay Plentyfuff of Diversity in Action magazine and President Jordan Weiss. You can take a look at the new issue of Diversity in Action magazine online. Their new November-December 2016 issue features Miss USA, who happens to be the first actively serving U.S. Army Reservist, who is an IT analyst. She says she likes being Miss USA, an IT analyst, and a soldier as long as she is doing what she can to make a change in the world. Check out the whole article online at diversityinaction.net. That's diversityinaction.net. Also follow them on Twitter and Facebook under Dive in Action. Diversity in Action magazine is about advancing STEM professionals and students. The November, December issue is also dedicated to the STEM Diversity Award. And just to name a few of some of the top companies nominated include Boeing, Chevron, IBM, Northrop German, Siemens, and many others. The November-December issue is a great read to help focus your current and future job search for some of the most supportive organizations that believe in diversity. Top government and defined agencies that are dedicated to STEM diversity include NASA, U.S. Air Force, U.S. Department of Defense, U.S. Department of Energy, and also the White House Office of Science and Technology. The diversity in STEM nominations also include three other categories, including nonprofits, institutions of higher education, and individuals. So be sure to review the full list at diversityinaction.net. Also, if you wanna stay connected with all that Technology Expresso has to offer, simply visit our connection portal at www.techexpectations.com and set up a profile today. Tech Expectations is an online resource manager with features such as a search engine that helps STEM businesses, organizations, volunteers, interns, and sponsors find each other and connect. Also, you can download our mobile app through iTunes or the Google Play Store. Simply search Technology Expresso. This is an app that will fuel your ideas, career, business, and your passion while also giving you the tools and resources you need to get ahead. So download this app today and start building towards success. And as always, thanks for listening to Technology Expresso Radio.
0: You have been listening to Technology Expresso Cafe Radio. For a full list of our podcasts, social media handles, and upcoming shows, visit our web portal at www.TechnologyExpresso.com. Join our tech club and get monthly alerts of upcoming events and initiatives. Text the phrase Full Seam Ahead to 41411. Financial support and donations of any denominations are welcome. Your contributions help us sustain and reach undeserved communities who benefit from the many programs, role models, and technologists that we showcase. Thanks to our sponsors, partners, and thank you, our listeners. And remember, we encourage you to listen. Learn, leverage, launch.